Hey there, all Burnside listeners. We get that watching a YouTube video isn't always an option for most people, so here's the audio from this week's episode. So please, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, the brand new TrendingTopicsNetwork.com, and most of the listening avenues for this podcast. We also kindly ask you to rate, review, subscribe, and leave comments to wherever you are getting this wonderful sound. Please enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to All Beer Inside. Today we are in Granby, Quebec, which is part of the Eastern Townships. And joining me is Vincent of Distillerie La Chaufferie. Exactly. Thank hey. you very much for inviting us out today yeah. to speak to, to you about your brewery. Uh, distillery? <laughs> yes. I'm way too used to saying brewery now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so your distillery yeah. and, well, you do have the bar program, which we'll speak about after too. So uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to speak with us about La Chaufferie. All right. Well, welcome yeah. to uh, La Chaufferie. So what's the story? What, what made you lead yeah. the creation so, of, of La Chaufferie? Um, basically, La Chaufferie comes from a couple of different directions. Uh, so there's uh, Brian Furlong, my main partner, who, hence the name of our first gin, which was the Furlong. Uh, he's a lawyer who has a law firm just on the other side of the street. And he really loved gin. He started making gin in his uh, kitchen for fun. And he had a little dream of starting a little gin production in his, the barn in back of his house. And while his friends sat him down and said, well, that's an awful idea because people will be showing up at your house all the time. And he's already kind of a workaholic. So the idea of uh, having all his free time, people showing up, buying, buying bottles of gin, it would be a little hard on his, uh, his marriage. Yeah. And so he said, yeah, you guys are right. And he, but he kept the dream, uh, dream alive. And on the other side, well, you have uh, myself, uh, Vincent. Uh, basically, I studied in ecology. Um, when I finished school, there was no real jobs that I wanted to do in ecology, and so I started drinking, and I fell in love uh, with fermentation. So I okay, started cool. uh, making cheese at home, making beer at home, playing around with different stuff, and I told myself, well, maybe I can make a living out of this. So mm -hmm. I started working in different breweries. I started from the bottom, uh, bottling lines. This was a little bit before the uh, microbrewery explosion, so. There wasn't as many opportunities as there is now. And so I, I climbed up, I became a brewer. I got to uh, go brewing in Denmark. And then oh, I cool. came back, I started working on different vineyards in the Eastern townships, so in Dunham, uh, Dunham uh, Frelligsburg area. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, I started distilling at home for, uh, for fun, which uh, it's been long enough now I can mention. Yeah. It's uh, totally illegal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, a lot of people start that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I started uh, distilling. Um, I had access to old wine and I was making beer. So I started playing around with distilling different stuff. And I told myself, well, there isn't, didn't seem to be any distilleries at that point. Mm -hmm. So I um, applied and I got the opportunity to go to the Cayman Islands. And that's where I learned how to use the big stills. Uh, so I had a lot of fun making rum down there. Yeah. And, but, it, but it wasn't home. So I came mm -hmm. back and I uh, wanted to start something out here. And at that point, um, I didn't have a lot of money. So my plan was to put a still on a trailer and uh, drive around oh. to the different vineyards and rent out the equipment and my services, kind of like they do for bottling lines yeah. and they do for uh, filters and all sorts of other equipment. It's almost I've, like a reverse contract brewing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I show up at your, because the vineyards just got the, the right to, mm -hmm. um, to distill, but it, seems kind of silly to me that everybody buys this small little still that they use a couple of weeks a year when you could just rent some time on the still we show up at your place but uh, so i was doing my uh, my business plan when by uh, luck of life i ran into one of brian's uh, good friends who was giving a, 
a presentation on financing, how to talk to banks, how to get financing. And so I talked to him after his presentation. He told me that he liked my enthusiasm, but thought my plan was completely illegal. The idea, <laughs> <laughs> the idea of having it still moving around uh, without a fixed address is pretty easy to just park in back of a barn and start making moonshine. And it would be a lot more profitable than <laughs> what we're doing now. But um, <laughs> he told me that he, he knew a guy uh, who wanted to start a distillery. So we met actually just on the other side of the parking lot here at uh, Archibald, uh, the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And after a couple of cocktails, we decided that we had the same vision of where we wanted to go. And we got to, uh, at this point, the, uh, the building that we're in now, the distillery was abandoned. Okay. So we got to borrow the keys, we came over, and as soon as we walked into the building, it was clear that we had to do it here. Yeah. So we uh, shook hands and we uh, started the project. Took, I... uh, took a while of convincing people to put in money and yeah. <laughs> a lot of renovations but uh, we're pretty happy with uh, what we got to do here. I mean, it's very clear, you can tell this building's been here from what, the 1930s-ish? Yeah, so, 1915. 1915, so yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's classic style, you know, it, it's... Old brick it's building. It's old brick, you, it's all exposed, it it's feels like an, an old school kind of, like, pub. Yeah. That you show up, but with some more modern am amenities, clearly, you know, like a much better bathroom and not just a hole in the floor. So. Yeah, you should have seen the place when we got here. <laughs> yeah. It was abandoned. They closed the factory down in the uh, 60s. Okay. And they left the building basically abandoned up until uh, when we arrived in 2018. So uh, it was, there was a lot of work, a lot of love to put into the place. But uh, yeah, definitely, as soon as we walked in here, this is where we have to do it. It's crazy, like through our adventures of, of just breweries, cideries, distilleries, beer stores, like what it used to be. And yeah. it just sat there unused. And then all of a yeah. sudden it's like, oh, it's bringing happiness to the people. <laughs> As I say, like happiness. Yeah. Uh, you actually brought some stuff out for us to try. Do you yeah. want to try something here? Yeah. So okay. uh, being a wine guy, I, uh, I really love working with fruit whenever mm -hmm. I can. Want to or not, it's always uh, a little bit more expensive to work with, but it's, uh, it's a fun uh, pleasure of life. Okay. So uh, we have um, a farm not so far away from here that uh, has a lot of prunes. And so uh, we decided one year he called us up. Well, it was around um, COVID. There was no alcohol yeah. anywhere. He needed alcohol to disinfect his tools. And so we gave him some alcohol. And at the end of the year, he uh, called us up and said, hey, I've got a lot of prunes that are going to be uh, um, dequalified because they're overripe and I can't yeah. bring them to market can you do something with this? And I was like, hell yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we picked up all the prunes and uh, we uh, made um, uh, an Odvida prune, a prune spirit. Okay. Some people will call it Slivovich. Uh, you can, there's a whole bunch of names all throughout uh, Eastern Europe for, mm -hmm. uh, for an Odvida prune. Yeah, yeah. Basically, we crush up the prunes and we ferment it. We ferment it with the pits, and then we'll try to distill everything together. So you have Ooh. really that Let's nice, like, oh, cheers. You toast. So you have that really, like, nice prune, prune kind of like cooked prune uh, smell yeah. to it. And then um, a little bit of the almond in the background. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a, smooth. Yeah. So for 40% wow. alcohol, it really just slides right down there. Yeah. So a lot of people, uh, there's been a a lot of really bad old V's out there. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think old V's are kind of like harsh and they burn and they, 
but a well-made one. It's some of the nicest uh, Yeah, I'm alcohol. getting, like, just right back here, I'm getting the almond. Yeah. Wow. And, like, three seconds, ten seconds later, you still taste the prune coming mm -hmm. out. And yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, that's, you know, that's what's great, because even if we weren't doing the show, I'd be trying to discover guys like yourselves just coming out and, and trying new products, because we're all about supporting local businesses, whether it be, you know, here in Quebec or Ontario or uh, Vermont, New York, whatever other state. Yeah. We're still, the way I see it is, if I'm buying... If I'm going to a brewery and a guy buying a guy's beer directly, I'm supporting local. Yeah. I'm supporting that town. I'm supporting the city. I'm supporting the state or the province. It's uh, yeah, that's, everything. That's uh, what yeah. So small cycles. I, eventually, I'm sure I would have made my way out here for something else. <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of, of breweries in the entire eastern townships. Yeah. You guys are pretty much on the way back to Montreal, so. Yeah, we're two feet away. Anybody mm -hmm. going out to the Dunham area, they pass through here. Anybody out. Anybody, uh, yeah, any, yeah, in the fall with the leaves changing, everybody loves coming down here. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we on our drive up, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, fall's definitely happening. Yeah, so. yeah it's definitely <laughs> happening right now. Amazing. And, uh, La Chaufferie is a pretty unique name. Where does that come from? So uh, basically the building we're in now used to be the uh, boiler house. Okay. So all the uh, brick buildings you see around us, it used to be one big factory that was Imperial Tobacco. <laughs> so they used to do uh, chewing tobacco and pipe tobacco. Okay. So uh, maybe that's why they closed in the 60s. Not many people are chewing uh, tobacco anymore or pipe tobacco, really. Mm -hmm. And also the whole Quebec um, tobacco industry kind of crumbled. Uh, I guess we weren't very competitive and didn't make the best quality tobacco. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so this ha this building was the boiler house. Okay. Hence, uh, in French, you call it a chaufferie. Okay. A couple of details about the place. Like, we have really big windows. If yeah. you look around, that's because it just got really crazy hot in here. <laughs> and the big parking lot in front of us uh, was actually where they kept mountains of uh, coal. Okay. So cool. when they started out, it was all coal-fed. So they had literally mountains of coal outside. They'd bring it inside here, feed the boilers, and they'd send steam to the other buildings around. Yeah. So there used to be, like, overpassages. Over yeah. And uh, there's still a tunnel under the under the street. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if uh, prohibition comes back, you just sneak it out that way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I can never actually see happening ever, ever again. Hopefully. It, it failed back then. It, it would never succeed anymore. Uh, you know, alcohol is more or less pandemic proof when you think about it. Like people are like, oh, I'm stuck at home. I'm gonna need a drink. <laughs> so. And then yeah. thankfully, you know, the SAQs and such, I'm sure you guys were allowed to sell out of your door as well during uh, yeah. the pandemic. So, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, one of the biggest challenges that we have uh, as an industry, the distillers, is we're allowed to sell outside uh, here on, on location, mm -hmm. but it's as if we are an SAQ store. Okay. So the, uh, when we, in theory, when we sell a bottle to someone here is as if we buy it from the SAQ and sell it to them. Okay. So we owe money um, to the SAQ as if it was sold into from any other SAQ store. Mm -hmm. So that really uh, that really makes it hard for yeah. um, for anybody who doesn't know. Like our uh, a bottle of gin that we sell for forty eight dollars. Out of that, we get thirteen. Oh. And so when we sell it on site here, we get about sixteen. Yeah. And. So that makes it pretty hard for uh, any kind of like tourism business around that. Mm -hmm. So because if you really do the math, and I try not to anymore, <laughs> uh, we lose money selling uh, bottles on site for that's, now. That's so really important. Uh, you know, they, 
Uh, I'm a big proponent because we just celebrated, or not a, a month ago from the recording, it's uh, National Canada Beer Day. Yeah. And one of their things is like, we got to drop the borders for, for beer. I know alcohol you could sell across Canada, which is <laughs> at least one thing. Yeah, but it's um, every province is different. Yeah. And so yeah. you have to find a distributor over there. So in theory, you can do it. In practice, it's, not, it's still not yeah. that easy. But uh, yeah. It, it's, it feels like sometimes just whatever government's in charge just doesn't want local businesses to succeed sometimes. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah, alcohol, <laughs> spirits are still somewhat considered like the devil. Yeah, so like, yeah. uh, we're dealing a lot with that. We're, uh, and I understand it's very highly taxed and I understand it is a luxury and mm -hmm. I do enjoy having nice roads and hospitals and whatnot. Yes, yeah. uh, but it is very hard for a small distillery to uh, get installed and um, especially anybody who's doing grain to, grain to glass like we are, mm -hmm. where um, it costs a lot more money to make our alcohol, it costs us more money, uh, but everything that we spend to produce our alcohol goes to the local farmer that we're buying a grain from, mm -hmm. uh, goes to the local company that's making stickers, and um, whoever we're buying our fruit from, yeah. so we do a lot of uh, liqueurs with different fruits, and so, um, whatever money that we get to keep, really, we're gonna send right back mm -hmm. into our local community. So it's a different kind of taxation, I guess. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I'm sure your spent grain goes to the farm, the farm yeah. animals eat it, and so that goes to a local butcher, and it's like a great kind of, you know, people are always like, recycle, reuse, yeah, reuse. Yeah, it's a very and, and small so, uh, nutrient yeah. cycle, right? So, and, and that's what I love, again, is like, you said you're supporting a local farmer, but the local farmer is also supporting the Granby area. Yeah. So you just, you, you got to keep it. And to me, just pony up a little more money and buy a more premium local product. Yeah. And uh, like often people ask us, well, now there's more and more of you. Is there like this kind of feeling of competition? Honestly, if we get 20% of just the Quebec market, we're yeah. all pretty happy. Like we can all survive together. Um, but yeah, there is a, a little bit of a challenge ahead of us. Yeah, the friendly competition is a good thing, I yeah. find, uh, especially because, you know, I mentioned beforehand that there's an absinthe place I want to try around yeah. here because you guys don't do absinthe. I mean, yeah. absinthe is so rare to yes, be made. Yeah, so yeah. that's like definitely, and that's, you know, a, a French product yeah. to begin with. So it's uh, very much, Quebec, a, yeah, he yeah. specialized very much in yeah. that. So, uh, but I look forward to, to trying a few more yeah. things here. Uh, so what's the next thing we'd be trying? Cool. Uh, so, after that, we can go uh, lots of options. So <laughs> next one on the list is our uh, newest gin. Mm -hmm. So um, so basically, it's, uh, it's called the Foreman. So our concept with this gin is that we are actually trying to make a gin that's uh, more accessible to, to people. So uh, okay. a lower priced gin, we're at $32 a bottle, which is quite competitive. Yeah. And uh, we're going back to the roots of gin. So um, I find often now which is it's a lot of fun but a lot of gins now you barely taste the juniper you're really yeah. out there really funky which is which is fun but our goal here was to bring it right back to its roots uh, kind of back to a, a juniper mm -hmm. um, so we uh, being a grain to bottle we make all our alcohol here and so here we're using very much like a a whiskey base so mm -hmm. uh, we're not distilling it neutral at all and then from there we'll uh, uh, redistill it with our uh, juniper, coriander, and angelica root. So the three basic components to a gin. Okay. And then, uh, so you'll have a lot of the grain notes that still come through, but also um, all the classic uh, juniper flavors. Amazing. Yeah, Quebec is, like I say, it's, we're lousy with juniper. There's just so much of it that 
Yeah. It's surprising not to hear when a distillery has a gin in Quebec yeah. because there's so much of it. Well, a, so. lot, a lot of it is basically the alcohol, the spirit industry in Quebec for now really depends on bought alcohol, mm. neutral, uh, neutral grain spirits that people are buying and reworking. And so with a lot of distilleries aren't set up to actually make their spirit. And so when you aren't making your spirit, there's only a limited amount of stuff that you can do. Okay. You can make absinthe, you can yeah. make gin, you can make uh, anything that's like uh, her herbs that you redistill. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot of people, a lot of smaller distilleries that didn't, uh, that don't have fermenters and don't have the, uh, mm. that sort of equipment. Well, they'll just bring out four or five different kinds of gin. And, yeah. and so to my, my opinion is that it's getting a little saturated, but it's, it's still fun. Like yeah. there's a new gin every month. And <laughs> it's always, you know, yeah. especially if you're willing to experiment, just yeah. try, do this bottle this month and then buy another bottle and then buy it and just keep trying different ones or yeah. get together as a group and do a tasting. It's yeah. All right. Yeah. Cheers. Toast. Oh, so smooth. Yeah. Uh, What's the alcohol on this? So uh, 40%. 40%. Yeah. See, that's, that's why I, I really enjoy local products is I don't get like that extra burn I do from the big boys. Yeah. And that's why it's like, I could drink this straight where if I'm having a local big, uh, not a local, but a big vodka, I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm throwing in orange juice and other stuff. I need that, to drown so. it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, And that's, yeah. a lot of people don't understand because their immediate mindset is, oh, this is going to burn going down. And it's like, no. It's, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to do that. <laughs> kind of that's a question yeah. I, I always like to ask too, is you have somebody who only drinks the mass stuff and they come in and you do have a full bar program as well, but what's yeah. what's the gateway spirit in a sense that like you're like, here, try this to, uh, to change that mindset? It really depends on uh, like what kind of a um, drink you are. Mm -hmm. So anybody who likes things a little bit sweeter and maybe like 40 percent i'm used to it now but yeah. some people still find it a little hard liqueurs are a lot of fun um so here we make uh we have a, a local cherry liqueur so made with uh sour cherries and we have um, a black walnut liqueur so that's um made with uh, local black walnuts so not many people know but we can grow nuts here in quebec and um so that's a little bit, uh, we're going to be around 24% alcohol okay. and a little bit more sugar. So that makes it kind of easier to approach. Our sugar shack here um, is, uh, I like to call a whiskey for beginners. <laughs> so it's, um, it's made in the same style as a whiskey, but uh, while we're diluting it, we'll add in a little bit of maple syrup. Mm -hmm. So it's still at 40% alcohol, which is different than a lot of uh, the maple whiskeys yeah. out there. But... Um, Having that little bit of maple syrup really softens up the alcohol and makes it more uh, more accessible. And for those who don't know, the Eastern Townships is Sugar Shack Central. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so. everybody like we call it Sugar Shack because everybody's got a Sugar Shack in back of their house. Yeah. There's uh, you walk around the woods here and you'll find abandoned Sugar Shacks yeah. all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's nice yeah. that kind of things are reopening. Hopefully, it stays this way with yeah. the way things are, are going with uh, unfortunately the pandemic that's happened the last two years. Uh, but I got to get back to a sugar shack this this yeah. fall. There's uh, spring. There's no question about it. So, <laughs> and I mean, I think we saw four or five on the way up from Montreal. At least it's. Oh, yeah. There's no question. Like anybody, like you said, people are driving a hoodie to check out the leaves change color. Yeah. Come here, have a drink. <laughs> Keep your designated driver clearly. <laughs> but uh, whoever's not driving in the group, grab a drink, grab a beer, and uh, buy a bottle on your way up. There's no yeah. question about it. So. Yeah. 
Uh, when La Chaufferie was being created, any kind of like major roadblocks? Was the town of Granby like, eh, we don't know about that? And... Well, I mean, we had a lot of challenges during the construction, mm -hmm. whether or not, like, we were still amongst the, the first distilleries, and so not a lot of people knew what a distillery was. And so, like, asking plumbers and asking electricians, like, so basically, uh, the floor downstairs started out as uh, a drawing on a piece of loose leaf uh, that I calculated how much water we needed per machine, and then I showed that to the plumbers. They gave us a, uh, a quote on how much they thought it was going to cost, and then they ended up tripling it. Oh. And, um, so those are the kind of surprises that really, like, rock... Uh, Rock the boat a little bit, yeah. want to or not. Like uh, the equipment was expensive, but installation was more expensive than the equipment. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and there was a lot of uh, little challenges, and then learning how to deal with the SAQ and um, all that really uh, a whole bunch. A big, uh, big learning curve. <laughs> Did you find the town was very welcoming when you guys started up? It's like yes, another location to try. Yeah, well, we were really lucky in that um, distilleries usually have to be in an uh, industrial part of town. Mm -hmm. And so the building here, being the history that it had, they never really changed the uh, zoning. So we're like basically downtown Granby in an old, the old industrial part. And so um, that was really lucky for us that we got to such a great location yeah. when uh, we started out. Because usually places like this are all condos now. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you guys are, are kind of, you had you had cheat code when you think about it to come yeah. in here and yeah, we're technically industrial. <laughs> so yeah, you can't really. Because and, and they then, just uh, never changed it. They, yeah. It was a building they kind of forgot about. No one did the paperwork. And to... and a building from the early 1900s, was there a lot of like, there's only certain things you could do because it's considered historical or. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, challenges in like our windows. Um, the first couple of months was myself and a uh, local woodworker uh, making all the windows by hand. Um, I'm not a woodworker, but I learned how to sand. <laughs> so we're all, uh, it was all made out of mahogany, uh, all made here on site. Uh, this, our bar here was a wood shop for mm -hmm. uh, like six months. <laughs> like, uh, and same thing with the libraries. We made them all on site here. Um, and so lots of little adventures of... Uh, dealing with pouring the cement uh, to yeah. uh, sandblasting all the walls to bring the brick back and um, yeah. So the, and then who I, does, like, you have quite the unique concept. There's a nice art piece here. Who, who did that? Oh, well, that's, um, that's an original, um, it's a classic, it's a uh, Gin Alley. Okay. So uh, it used to be an old publicity against gin. <laughs> so like, uh, <laughs> Because there was Beer Lane and Gin Alley, so Beer mm -hmm. Lane, everybody's happy and skipping. And then uh, uh, Gin Alley, you see like people are getting buried. There's a baby falling. Or, uh, it was uh, this big Looks publicity. Like there's a cannibal in the corner. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a blind this kid. Big, <laughs> big publicity against gin uh, back in the day, and oh, so, like many uh, many uh, smear campaigns, the people who really love gin kind of just grabbed it and turned it around. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Love that. Uh, and when it comes to your labeling and, and your designs and your naming, the, you're working with local people for that stuff? Uh, yeah. So okay. um, all sorts of little stories behind our, uh, our names. And then we have a local uh, graphic uh, designer mm -hmm. that, that does them. And, yeah, because yeah, you mentioned Furlong is, is one of the original owners. Yeah. And then you got Foreman. Sugar Shack's very clear what it is. Yeah. So that's kind of just, OK, we 
kind of name me the history of this building yeah, of what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So our big, uh, having a building with so much soul, our big goal was to kind of like make that shine through mm -hmm. our product and shine through our, uh, our brand. Yeah. Uh, so really, uh, and we do make very classic products. So we're kind of out there a little funky in that we're, but we're still staying uh, rooted in classic. Uh, so we like to say that we're inspired by tradition, but reinventing it nonetheless. Yeah. So. Uh, because even your furniture, like it's a lot of old school. I mean, the tables yeah. that go up. Yeah, and, the old cranks um, and the old is this, industrial. Is this look. all poured concrete, the, yeah. the bar? Okay. Because so it looks a, like a, an, an original slab that was just kind of cut out and sent to you from a quarry or something. So. Yeah, so that was another great adventure, pouring that slab on site. <laughs> and uh, there's a guy basically polishing the rocks for <laughs> like three days. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, mustachio gentleman on your eau de vie, where is he? Yes. Who is he? So um, we, the eau de vie uh, is called Maitre Pierre. Okay. And so that's actually uh, named after the guy who, owned the or who owns the orchard. So he is a retired uh, lawyer mm -hmm. who used to work in agricultural law and uh, fittingly enough in retirement has uh, started up an orchard where he specializes in uh, prunes and pears. And so, um, I don't have a bottle here, but we also, on site there, we do a Paul Williams. Mm -hmm. So we grow a pear inside a, a bottle and then uh, make a pear eau de vie that we pour on top. Cool. So uh, every year we have a 50 or so bottles of that. They go fast, but yeah. they're, uh, it's a, a lot of fun to, to do. I see on top you have Trudes Diable as well in cans. Yeah. And so, then, uh, oh, a couple of Molson, the, the big boys as a gone Molson yeah. and stuff. Uh, what made you go with them and not try and go with like, let's say, uh, well, unfortunately, Vroden's changing, yeah. uh, but let's say Vroden down the street. Like, Well, our basic, basically our goal here was to do cocktails, right? Okay. So like our goal is to promote our own products. And, uh, but mind you, when people are, when there's a band and when there's a bunch of people, Often you have one or two people in the group that like, well, I just really want a beer. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And so, but we didn't really have that in our budget. And our goal, uh, usually if somebody wasn't willing to try the cocktails, well, they didn't really want a super funky beer. Yeah. So okay. it was kind of just to have a, an alternative for that one or two people in the gang that just mm -hmm. want their traditional. Makes uh, sense. Yeah. yeah. I know when it comes to collabs, you clearly work with a lot of farms and orchards and things like that. But yeah. uh, what are some other collabs that you've done when it comes to, uh, you said you kind of do a local charcuterie type thing? Or? Uh, yeah, so um, we've done a collab with uh, Les Quatre Saisons. So they made a, a dried sausage with oh. our uh, with our, our sugar shack. Mm -hmm. And then we've uh, done also with uh, Dunham Brewery, we've swapped barrels a couple of times. So they'll take some of our old barrels uh, and they sent us some of their old beer barrels. So we kind of swapped around with that uh, a few times. I work with uh, yeah, a couple of local uh, vineyards and orchards that will, um, uh, we do um, a herbal liqueur that, well, isn't here, but um, <laughs> that's made with entirely uh, recuperated alcohol. Okay, so we'll cool. go, I drive around because I obviously have too much free time. <laughs> I uh, drive around between different vineyards and pick up the bulb. It's like yeah. when you're making wine, it's the stuff that falls to the bottom of the tank. It looks kind of like muddy and disgusting, yeah. but it still has a lot of great aromas and great alcohol present. So we'll go recuperate that. I've worked with a couple of cider houses where we'll recuperate some of their, old, their uh, ciders that they're less happy with. 
and then that alcohol is still really good alcohol yeah. and we'll use that as a base for our uh our lacayeurs which is our uh, herbal liqueur yeah so. it's so cool that you can kind of recoup like what would have been a lost product for them you're like no no, no we'll, yeah, we'll take was, that so. and we can uh, we can give it a plus value and added mm -hmm. uh, added bonus because yeah. uh, like often it's it's because it's it's kind of muddy. It doesn't really look very nice. It wouldn't make a very pretty wine, but the the wine aromas are still present. Uh, grape skins, yeah. uh, you can make grappa, and it's great. Yeah. And so. Yeah. yeah, I still I don't think I've ever had a good grappa. I just have like the mass-produced stuff that yeah. is sold at SAQ, and you're at a, an Italian wedding, and you're like, well, I have to drink a grappa. <laughs> I wonder what like a, a local good. I'm hoping good grappa would taste like. Yeah, uh, well, it has a really nice texture. It doesn't yeah. have to burn. Yeah, the, the um, ones but, I drink yeah. all, all burn. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not fun. I had a, a spirit teacher once uh, tell me, you can tell a good grappa producer not when you arrive on site, not because of your nose or your eyes, but because of your ears, because <laughs> you can hear the flies <laughs> at, the, uh, at the bad places. Because <laughs> they've got mountains of uh, grape skins lying outside, yeah. and you can just hear the swarms of flies going. So, yeah, it's yeah. a smaller scale. You can definitely have more control over that, get make a better quality alcohol and yeah. you mentioned the sugar shack uh, yes. shall we try that yeah of course so this is our maple rye okay so basically we it's a young whiskey so it's not quite old enough for the the whiskey name mm -hmm. but it's made in the same style and then uh, we'll come and soften it up with a little bit of maple syrup but our goal here was really not to be super sweet either yes yeah. so uh, like Coeur de Bois or Sortillage will have like four times more sugar. Mm -hmm. But here is just really so the uh, balance out the maple and the, the spiciness from the rye to. Fantastic. Oh, cheers. Toast. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I want to go to Sugar Shack now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun where like the, the maple syrup isn't too heavy. It's present, but it kind of like comes in waves. Anyway. Yeah, it just coats my tongue, coats yeah. my palate. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as a, as a Quebecer or anybody who kind of lives in, in the northeast part of Canada and, and the U.S., like, sugar shacks everywhere. Yeah. You know, take advantage of that. Yeah. People don't understand, our culture you know. and our heritage. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, you have to. Something <laughs> should always have a sugar shack. If you could collab with anybody, because I don't, I don't know how a distilling collab would work where you would work with another, like, let's say, gin place or whatever, but if you could work with anybody in kind of the, the alcohol, craft alcohol industry, who would that be with? Well, we're, we're kind of like throwing sticks out there to see. Um, we've done some apple brandy with Sidgari uh, Milton, uh, just Milton. Mm -hmm. We've done, uh, so open to working with, uh, with anybody. It's always a lot of fun to have that exchange or just hang out and talk how do you work, how I work, and try to figure out a way. Eventually, there's a lot of uh, Quebec distilleries now that are slowly working on whiskeys. So it might be fun to do like a multi-distillery uh, blend because mm -hmm. I'm sure we all have very different profiles on our whiskey. So it might be fun to play around yeah. with that. But we still have a couple of years before everybody will be ready for that. Yeah. So like, like as you were saying, there's a lot of Quebec gins now, but soon, fairly soon, there's going to be a bunch of bunch more whiskeys on the market. It's starting now, but there will be uh, more of us, and so that will be a lot of fun to to watch. 
Looking forward to that cuvee that year in Montreal where it's yeah. Quebec whiskeys instead of just Quebec gins or Quebec this. It's yeah. Quebec whiskeys for the first time in probably ever yeah. at that cuvee. I, I'm looking forward to that day. Yeah. Uh, and definitely, thankfully, that's kind of almost downtown Montreal, so I can, you know, I always say <laughs> never drink and drive. Uh, yeah, always enjoy responsibly. <laughs> just take the metro. <laughs> or, or if, you know, uh, if you're coming in from out of town, there's lots of hotels and Airbnbs in downtown yeah. Montreal. So definitely. amazing. Uh, clearly, you're very busy, but let's say two weeks opens up at some point, and you could take a kind of um, a distillery-based vacation. Yeah. Where would you go? Oh, at this point, I've already gone down to Tennessee, so that was a that was like mecca. Yeah. It was really awesome to see, like, uh, well, Tennessee and because uh, there's a whiskey trail through there, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the Bourbon Trail as well. I did a whole bunch of that, and that was a lot of fun. It's a whole other world, right? They're yeah. so massive. You just see these fields with different rack houses <laughs> lined up and they're spaced out because in case one falls, they don't want all of them to burn. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so that was a lot of fun. I'd like to obviously one day go to Scotland and Ireland. Um, I also like to make my way down to Cognac. It would be mm -hmm. awesome to see the, the old Cognac distilleries yeah. and uh, the Calvados region. There's no lack of great places <laughs> to visit. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of the problem. <laughs> you know, I, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I want to go to Maine for beer. And somebody's like, well, but you have New Hampshire there. I'm like, oh, yeah, and oh, my God, there's like 300 <laughs> breweries in New Hampshire. And even Vermont, there's 80 breweries for a state of 600,000 people. And, yeah. oh, go to the East Coast, uh, West Coast. I'm like, but where? They're like, no, the entire West Coast. Yeah, just, just go to Vancouver and work your way down. And you'll so, never make it through. <laughs> yeah. From myself, I'm out of town, clearly. Yeah. Uh, but I come here. Try some of your great alcohol, buy a bottle or two, friends in the area to try, even if it's not just for, for booze, but it's for food as well. Like any local restaurants have you guys, any uh, breweries that you suggest in the area or cideries, like oh, who, yeah. who well, would you uh, throw out there? We're really well surrounded here in that like anybody who's into wine this time of year is great. You're right close by to uh, uh, wine capital of mm -hmm. Quebec, like uh, all of Dunham and uh, Dunham area, I think you have 15 uh, vineyards in that same like two town radius <laughs> and uh, from there like close by well ple plus you have uh, the Dunham Brewery which yeah. has become quite famous and so you have uh, I mean close by here you've got uh, the Milton Cidery which is a really awesome cidery and mm -hmm. very awesome people like you can walk around the apple trees uh, in the winter you can go cross-country skiing through their orchard that's and, cool um, here, Granby has a lot of really good restaurants, so uh, that's a lot of fun. Like, uh, and everything's very pretty close by, so you can basically park here or walk down to the walk down Main Street, and there's five or six really amazing restaurants. Um, and well, if you're into spirits, there's La Saint-Prix des Cantons that's mm -hmm. in the same town, so just um, just down the road, really. And then there's the Shefford uh, Distillery in Shefford. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of, uh, for anybody who's into craft spirits and uh, craft alcohol period, uh, there's a whole bunch of really good, pe good people not far away, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty naive, like, you know, outside of most people, most Montrealers just know that Granby Zoo. It's like, yeah. I don't know, there's, there's more than that. Yeah. <laughs> so. And uh, I mean, you can go to the zoo too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For anybody who's, uh, I think they're called zoophiles, people who will visit a zoo in every single city that they're in. Yeah. Like, no matter what city they're in, they have to visit the zoo. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's quite an experience. Mine is just going to 
local craft spirit makers or beer makers or cider yeah. makers and enjoying the products. Yeah. Uh, wine eventually too. We, you know, we're called all beer inside, but realistically we interviewed distilleries, we've interviewed yeah. a cidery, we've interviewed stores. It's like, okay, we have to do a vineyard at some point too. Yeah. So. It's, and there's a lot of really amazing ones. Yeah. And, uh, this time of year was a lot of fun. There's usually a lot of activities around there in the, the harvest right now. Yeah. So some places you can pick the grapes, other places you can squish them with your feet. There's all sorts <laughs> of, uh, I always just like think you of that <laughs> old YouTube video of the woman who was stomping the grapes and then fell, and it's like became one of the first, I think, viral videos where she <laughs> fell, and people are like, "Ooh, I hope she's okay." <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would try it, but knowing my luck, I would roll my ankle and I would probably fall out. So, uh, you got one more for us to try. Yes. Here. So uh, yeah, this is now we're going towards our liqueurs, but even our liqueurs aren't that sweet. Mm -hmm. So a liqueur can typically be around 300 grams of sugar, 250 to 300 grams. Uh, ours is around 150. So it's sweet, it's sweet, but it's still mm -hmm. a lot less sweet than typical liqueurs. And so this is the uh, Henri G, okay. Henri G. So uh, it's our uh, black walnut liqueur. So to my knowledge, we're the only people in the world making a black walnut liqueur. Basically that started out in that I have a couple of friends that had some black walnuts behind their house and they're like, man, it would be really cool to do this. I tried to do it and it's actually really hard to open up black walnuts. <laughs> Anybody who has them around them, it's, it's actually quite a lot of work. And uh, I found uh, this producer just north of Montreal, uh, Jardin des Noix, and uh, they planted a forest about 15 years ago and now they're getting their first real harvest. Um, and so I love them, they're kind of crazy. Uh, but um, Basically, when he opens up, he does his harvest, he'll take his uh, walnuts, he'll dry them for six months, and then he'll start opening them. And when he opens them, uh, he has a machine that, help, that opens them. And when he does that, uh, it makes kind of like a flour that's a mix of nut and uh, husk. Okay. And so you can't really eat it because it would destroy your teeth. <laughs> but uh, it has uh, all the flavors still there, so we'll take that and then we'll macerate it in, uh, in our spirit that we make here on site. Amazing. And then, um, yeah, and then uh, work it out and sweeten it up. And uh, it gives us this beautiful liqueur. So it kind of uh, our way of replacing Frangelico or Amaretto. Okay. And yeah. so it makes really nice uh, sours if you want. Or one of my favorite is you mix that in with the sugar shack and you have a godfather. No. So. Uh, an ounce and a half of sugar shack and maybe a half an ounce of uh and you have this really beautiful drink on ice uh, amazing yeah cheers toast oh yeah. so clean yeah yeah you just it's all walnutty wow yeah, yeah. it plays around in there so mm. it has a sweet side but it still has that kind of like bitterness to it and um wow and that's like 28 ish percent I guess uh, 24 24 okay yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can I can see these two working really well, like you said, with, on some uh, yeah. on some ice. So. Not too much ice because you don't want to really kill your your palate. Yeah, but, you don't want to yeah. freeze it out. But um, yeah. so now that more or less things are reopened, are you guys hosting events here at all? Yeah. So um, basically, every pretty much every week we have uh, bands that come and play here. So just on the stage in the corner mm -hmm. there, and uh, every uh, Sunday we have improv night. So we have a league of improv people that come in. Uh, uh, Wednesdays we have um, board game night, okay. and um, 
So we're doing more and more events, uh, mm -hmm. try to really give life to the to the space here. And um, yeah, so we have uh, a little bit of food, but we're mostly a cocktail bar. Mm -hmm. So people come in for the the cinq or yeah. uh, after their uh, dinner. What's next for La Chaufferie as a brand? Uh, well, as a brand, we're, uh, we've been working on our whiskeys for a couple of years now. So we're about midway through aging out our whiskeys. So that's gonna, that's gonna come in, uh, in, the next, uh, in the next while. We do a beet rum. So okay. that's, because um, having learned in the rum okay. world, uh, everybody was always asking me if I was gonna make rum one day. Um, I always said no because it doesn't grow here. And uh, but uh, during the pandemic, we uh, were making a lot of disinfectant, and we happened to uh, come across these guys that were making uh, beet molasses, so from local uh, sugar beets. And we uh, started making disinfectant with it. After a little while, figured it tasted way too good to make disinfectant with. And uh, so we did a white rum, and it did a uh, did okay. The people who love it really love it, mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of people who like white rum are really into making cocktails with Captain Morgan's, yeah. so yeah, yeah. it's a tough market. But um, from there, we've been aging it. We released part of it as white rum, and we've been aging out the rest. And so uh, this Christmas, we'll have a spiced rum, uh, brum. So, uh, made, so made with uh, sugar beet, local sugar beets and all uh, Quebec spices. And so that's going to be a fun thing to come out this Christmas. And uh, from there, we're always working on different, uh, different little projects. Uh, so our goal here is really we make all our spirits from A to Z on site, and we mm -hmm. use uh, all local uh, ingredients. So from there, we're always kind of playing around. I'd like to make more eau de vies like uh, yeah. my pierre but uh, want to or not, that's not where we make most of our money because yeah. people don't really know what they, what they are yet. I'm, I'm guessing these two are your big ones. Yeah. So. Uh, those two and um, the Valentine, our uh, cherry liqueur, did okay. really well this summer. So, depending on the season, and um, if ever you're around uh, near uh, the end of October, I know uh, this video is going to come out after that. Pretty but, much. <laughs> uh, we do a a really big festival in the parking lot where mm -hmm. we burn pumpkins. Okay. So uh, we have a really big fire. And then we uh, throw pumpkins on the uh, the ambers, and um, so it burns the outside of the pumpkin, but cooks the inside. And then we make a massive pumpkin soup, oh. and we ferment it and distill it and make a pumpkin oudvi. Oh, cool! And it actually really keeps the smoky side to it, so that's a that's a lot of fun. If ever we we'll, we do it every year, so yeah, at the end of October. That's amazing. <laughs> So, Vincent, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us about La Chaufferie today. Really appreciate you hosting us once again. Uh, for those who are looking for La Chaufferie, where can people find you? All right, so we're at uh, 145 Cowie here in Granby. Uh, so if you look up uh, Distillery de La Chaufferie, you'll, um, you'll find us. And, uh, yeah, so Granby Eastern Townships, just an hour south of Montreal. So, and it's... It's a pretty easy drive. <laughs> and on social media? Facebook, uh, La Chaufferie. We're okay. also on Instagram. Yeah. And um, if ever you want to send us an email, info at lachaufferie.ca. Uh, so if you follow us on Facebook, you'll see uh, often we have uh, small, small batches. So like our pair, uh, pair um, La Paul Williams, the pears in the bottles, mm -hmm. um, that when they're finally ready and labeled, 
we'll uh, announce it and people can reserve online to, uh, to get their bottles. Oh, we have a yeah. friend who's really into rum, so we're probably going to have to make our way out here and grab your beet rum for him. So. <laughs> Perfect. And then I'll, if I can't find it here, you're available in local SAQs and, yeah. and such. So, so. Uh, and if they don't have it in your SAQ, you ask for it. They should be able to bring it. Perfect. And you can always uh, do the SAQ.com thing, mm. so they'll, they'll ship you a bottle. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I'd rather buy here, but yeah. your hours are a little different than theirs. And Yeah, yeah so. exactly. So we're open every uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and now Sunday yeah. uh, from uh, 4 till 10. Perfect. So Sunday, we open a little bit later because yeah. it's the improv. But um, yeah, and every Saturday, if anybody's interested, we do uh, guided tours of the distillery. So you can see from A to Z uh, how we do all our, all our spirits here, and we give tastings and... Uh, the whole uh, the whole shebang. Awesome. So all that's going to be in the show notes. As for us, allbeerinside.com is the website. At allbeerinside on all social media. And as I say at the end of all episodes, drink craft, not crap. <laughs> all right.